And we welcome you back to Spirit Mornings with Bruce McGregor and Chris McGregor. And joining us in studio as he has been each Tuesday in our 8 o'clock hour, we're delighted to have back with us Father Mark Sizza. Father, welcome. It's good to be here. Up from Nebraska City. I am. Yeah. And I had the Jumanji morning, so you didn't have to. Thank you, Chris. I really, I really appreciate that. <laughs> Especially coming up that interstate, you don't like to meet any deers or anything. That's true. Or antelope. Deer. Deers. Deer. Yeah. <laughs> what are they? Yeah, Whoa. I guess there is a... grammatically correct. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're a car dealership, then it's deers. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, Tuesday, uh, during the month of May, we're just so blessed to have you. I mean, and to come and, and to share... Uh, Mary with us, especially through the lens of St. Louis de Montfort. And just the, the sacrifice that you're making and driving this entire distance all the way up to Omaha, we just appreciate it so much, Father. Oh, I just love to talk about Mary. So Mother's happy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that would help make a Mother's Day. You bet. <gasps> Did I just say that? Oh, oh, oh. Mother's Day, of course, was Sunday. And I, I believe in octaves. I believe in, you know, once you start it, you just keep going. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. And so today would be a great day for to kind of keep going with Mother's Day, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. So we get to yeah that yeah that we should do that, and then we can have a maybe something at the end on next Sunday, we have a special celebration of Mary or something like that, and celebrate all Mother's Day again. I love it. Sounds like a plan. And one of the titles, we're, what we're going to do over the next few weeks is talk about Marian dogmas, uh, the dogmas of the church, and help us to understand exactly uh, what it is that we do hold so dear about the, our Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, and the very first one, dogma that needed to be proclaimed by the church is Mary, Mother of God. And the one thing that I've learned about Marian dogma is that it never really just points to Mary. It almost always tells us more about Jesus or about ourselves. Exactly. And that, that's St. Louis Marie de Montfort's whole point is that in understanding our, our, our Blessed Virgin Mother, that, that we come um, to know more about Jesus Christ himself. Because if, if you separate out the two um, images from one another, or the two mysteries of, of, of Jesus and of Mary, then you really don't understand either one fully. And there's a, a story that I like to use to kind of illustrate the point is that um, it was during when they were, it was during the Protestant Reformation in England, they were um, taking the church and in, in the smash, smashing the statues and all the different things mm-hmm. like that. And there's this one particularly beautiful statue of, of, of Mary, and she was holding Jesus, almost like she was holding Jesus out to us. And um, so they decided to, um, uh, that they didn't um, want to have that statue anymore. But uh, so that what they did is they chiseled out Jesus, and so then Mary was left with her arms there like this, and so then they had to rename it, and it turned into like the the p- pagan goddess of victory or something mm-hmm. like that. Oh, so, yeah. but, but that's really what, what happens is when you separate out Jesus from Mary, you don't really understand either one. And so that's one of the the insights that we have from the early church of the Council of Ephesus in 434, is there, what was happening at that time is there was, um, there was a, a, a priest, his name was Nestorius, and he was going around, and they were having um, difficulties in, in the first really eight centuries, they were really trying to hash out, you know, just trying to answer the question, who is Jesus? And how do we understand this relationship between his his human nature and his divine nature? And so the the pendulum kind of seems to kind of swing back and forth. You know that there are like almost one point there's like the Nestorian position. It's almost like there's two persons in Christ, and that this you know the divine person adopts this human person, but and then it, so it gets kind of mixed and confused. And then the other side, then there's just kind of one thing 
uh, where this, you know, this divine nature gets mixed in with this human nature and then it's really neither divine nor human. And so then you get like, you know, something like the monophysite heresy or something like that. And so, but the Catholic position, it's, it's, it's always kind of the both and, you know, he's, he's both human, both, uh, and, and divine. And anytime you kind of swing to, into one side or the other side, then you'll, you'll, you'll get in trouble. You have to hold these, both of these mysteries together with one another. And that's what the, the early church was reflecting on, because Nestoria was, was saying, again, basically that there's, basically what it, what it comes out to be is that there, there are two persons in, in, in Christ. But if Jesus, but you can't really have that, though, mm-hmm. because we are saved by a divine person there, and there's only one person that we are saved by, and that's, that's Jesus Christ, but he has a human nature and a divine nature. And so basically what the, the church had to say then is they get this council together and they, they start kind of hashing this out and figuring out what's going on. And, and the statement that the, they didn't address, like really the way that they address these, this question of the, these two natures of Christ in, in, one, in one divine person is they said something about Mary. They said that, that Mary gives birth um, to a divine person, Jesus Christ. So Mary is the mother. That's it. Mary is the mother of God. She gives birth to a divine person, and uh, who has, you know, two natures—a human nature and a divine nature—and that was basically how the the church resolved that that Nestorian heresy. Because you don't go to the hospital and say, you know, oh, look at the cute little human nature. You know, I mean, it's 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 it's, it's a baby. It's a person. Right. And Mary gives birth to a person, Jesus Christ, and and he, the person is he is human and he is divine. So we can say truly that Mary is the mother of God according to the flesh. Of course, she doesn't give birth to divine nature. And I think sometimes when people hear right. mother of God, they think that we believe that Mary's giving birth to this divine nature. No, that's, that's uncreated. But, she, she's, but you, she doesn't just give birth to the human nature. She gives birth to a person, and that person is Jesus. Because in, in, like in philosophical terms, you can't really say that Jesus is not a, a human person. You know, he, he is a divine person with a human nature and so because there is only one person he is the second person of the trinity and that is a divine person he's not again he's not a human person so that's kind of how the church ended up resolving that that question by saying that mary was the mother of god and so it's really again by by holding those mysteries of jesus and mary together then then we can understand a little bit more about both and we can understand something a little bit more about how we've how we've been saved uh, by Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what makes Mary very unique. Again, to go back, it's it's about the incarnation mm-hmm. for many out there who may not realize, but the, the term incarnation essentially refers to God becoming man, mm-hmm. taking uh, uh, the form of man in the womb of Mary. It's, it's in, she became the Ark of the Covenant, the New Testament, she became the, the true Ark of the Covenant, that honoring the covenant that God said that he would save his people. And he did by becoming man within her womb. And so she, what did she have to do? It, to, to, she had to give birth to the incarnation. When you give birth, you're a mother. Exactly. And she again, it, she gives birth to that person of Jesus, mm-hmm. and, th- and that's that's really where it it, it all, it all the, everything that we say about Mary, it, it's referenced to that you know really to that motherhood and to her role, then in in that incarnation, and and when you, again when you can understand that, then then there's a lot more that we understand about our own 
um, our, our own faith and how, again, how, how we enter into that relationship with Jesus. Exactly, mm-hmm. because the, the um, person, the divine person that she gave birth to is God, mm-hmm. is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. There has never been another there never will be. I mean, he's the Alpha, the Omega. It's so unique. And if that's really true, I think the, people, the reason why people struggle with that, because if that's really true, then that makes her really unique, yeah. very special. Okay, yeah, ex- precisely. That, that is why the church uh, venerates her, loves her. We turn to her because God chose her. And if he cho- chose her, I mean, when we turned to everybody else, we were, we're in the great year of St. Paul, we turned to his teachings. Yeah, and we're reading, we've even put them in the canon of the, of the scriptures and, and through the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit to teach us. Uh, we look at the apostles. We even look at great theologians. I mean, we, can, we go back and we look at the doctors of the church from Bernard to, to Teresa of Avila to John of the Cross. I mean, to all, so, Thomas Aquinas, so many others, they teach us. Well, here is the one person who God created so special to be that Ark of the Covenant to to give birth to God. What can we learn from her? And that's that's really just it. Because when we look at how, you know, just how she cooperated then with the with the will of God, because it, it it's not like she was just this willless medium and that God imposed this on her. You know, if you look in sacred scripture, you know, the angel. Basically, he's, he's asking for her permission. You know, mm-hmm. you're talking about angels last hour. You know, he's, he, God wanted her permission to, to have, the, you know, just as uh, Adam and Eve, they were given the opportunity to say yes or no to God, so was Mary. And, and to think about how God made his plan of salvation then dependent upon really this, this yes that Mary was to give because she was free to say no. She had a free choice just like each and every one of us has um, to say no to God. Um, but, but thank, you know, thank God she did say yes, you know, and, but, but through that yes that she gave, um, that, that really becomes the source then uh, of blessing for all of us, because that's what allowed her to conceive Jesus as uh, John Paul II said, you know, in, 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 first in her heart and then in her womb. But then that opens up the floodgates of salvation for, for all of the rest of us as well. And this was one of those teachings that was, uh, solidified, I, I dare say, you know, through an actual statement, a dogma from the church. But it's not as though all of a sudden they had this revelation at Ephesus. They were just compiling all of the teachings about Mary and her role as mother of God that it was given to the church fathers for those four generations prior to that. One of the good things you see about or the good things that God does with something like a heresy is it kind of forces the the church in a certain way to clarify what it is always taught. And so when it when a church declares a dogma or something that this is a matter of belief, it's not it's not declaring something new or it's not some kind of innovation because if you look at the one of the beauties of, of Catholic teaching is that everything we teach today is in accord or in harmony. And there may be a growth, there may be a development, but from what we have believed in the beginning. There if there's something new, if there's some new innovation that's then that's always declared as a heresy because it, it, it can't be. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it has to be a part of the, of, of the same whole that we receive from our Lord himself. And so there, th- through, the, the, through the years, if you look at the, reading, uh, the writings of the church fathers, they, they all refer to Mary as the new Eve. They, they all reflect on, or not all of them, but there, there are writings of her, uh, reflecting on her motherhood. 
and so of just and again of how the church understood this in the early times. So when it was declared at Ephesus, it wasn't just something new that that just popped out of the air. But this this was something that that had been in the minds and in the heart of the church, reflecting on that mystery of Jesus, reflecting on that mystery of Mary. And then they, they put it down and said, this is what we believe. And if you, if you don't believe this, then, then you're not in union with us. You don't have that union of faith with us. Because, and the reason that they had to do that is because there was a question. You know, there's, there's a question here, this, you know, you have a, somebody that's going around and say, saying things that, that aren't right. People are beginning to follow that, and the church says, "Wait, let's think. Let's look at this. What does this mean? Because if we follow this story and position, then Jesus, you know, is just a human person, you know, somehow associated with the Son of God. Really, we haven't been saved, you know, because we can only be saved by God. And mm-hmm. so, so you, and so this, we have to look at what this means and how this impacts what we, uh, what we believe. And so then, that's why the church felt it necessary or believed it necessary at that point then to to make this definition to clarify." So that everybody, so there would be no more doubt as to, as to what we really do believe. Look at you singing, Father. <laughs> All four parts. Regina Chaley. Doing a good job. It. Beautiful and very appropriate too. Well, we're trying to find a theme music. For Father Mark says that. Yes. So we're just trying to find the right, the right music. Regina Chaley's okay, but your favorite is. is my in Sacred Polyphony, probably my favorite is the Miserere from uh, Allegri, which is I just find that beautiful. I just love the. Uh, I don't know. It, it's just I don't. Know, I just love it. <laughs> I think it, it is absolutely beautiful. It doesn't surprise me in those great. It, it, the Polyphony always takes you so much deeper. Listen to that Can all you morning. celebrate yeah. mass now? <laughs> it's, just, it's just Excuse heavenly. Us. It's yeah. heavenly. We're just going to check out here for a few minutes. <laughs> we'll be right back. That's right. Oh, it's great music to pray with, isn't it? It really is. It just, you know, there's just something about the sacred music that just lifts your spirit, you know, and that's what it's that's what it's meant to do you know it's it's not something that takes you down and makes you all depressed but it but it lifts your heart you know and it lifts you up toward god and it just you know if music can be this beautiful in this life you know what's it going to be like in heaven you know where we got we got the angelic voices you know that are that are singing and giving those praises to god and and we are going to be able to to join them as well it's going to be it's it's going to be beautiful Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I love this psalm. We do. We should try to do what we can when we're here on earth. Never let that prevent you from lifting your voices up in song. Because what would the psalms say? Uh, sing a joyful song unto the Lord. Not a perfect. <laughs> no. Don't worry, perfect will come someday, <laughs> in in the next life. But d- tr- sing out of joy. Yeah, and it's uh, you know we do have so much joy, especially this time of year during Easter. You know where we celebrate the, the during the Easter season we celebrate the resurrection. I mean, how much do we have to be joyful for? I mean, there's. It's so easy a lot of times to get kind of focused on the negative things in life and all the bad things that are going on in the world or in our country or whatever. But, but really, we, we, we should have so much joy, you know, that, that it should just be, you know, it, it should be effusive. And that's, that, that joy is really something that's, that's very attractive, 
you know, I think to people, you know, that's, I think that's one of the reasons that people are so attracted, like, to the missionaries of charity. That was one of the uh, things that she really um, encouraged her. That, that was a sign of it, whether they had a vocation to the missionaries of charity or not, was whether they were joyful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if they were all, you know, even if they were a very good sister, if they were all dour and, you know, was, you know, like that, that it, she's like, you, you can't be, because, you know, it's that, that, that joy of loving, you know, that, that really attracts people to Jesus Christ. And so if we're always around like, Oh, this is, you know, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it's like, I don't know if I want to belong to that church or not. <laughs> Those people are, you know, but if you have people that are, that are joyful and that, that are just really in love with Jesus, you know, that that's, people want to be a part of that. And so we, we, we have so much to be thankful for, so much to be grateful for, so much to be joyful for. Mm-hmm. And, and we should really, um, you know, focus on those things and, and really, and that's what will really more than anything help draw people into, into Christ's love. Amen. Well, wasn't it Teresa of Avila that said something to the akin that spare me from sorrowful saints? Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> so, and, and it's really, it's true. I mean, even in people who suffer, those who are suffering, I know people that are, that are experiencing tremendous pain, but yet there is a... Not necessarily an ecstatic happiness, but there is joy mm-hmm. that it, no matter what, you can't rob that. You it's can't. something deep-seated that just comes from that relationship with Christ, just just knowing that, um, just having having that union with Him, you know. And and again, it's it's not just it's not like a giddiness or anything like that. But there's just that, you know, like the readings today talked about that and that peace that Jesus Christ gives to us, you know, in the gospel today. You know, that's that's what we have from this relationship. It's it's this right order. You know, and then it doesn't matter what what anybody else does to us, how anybody else sins against us, what, um, or how um, you know, or what we're suffering. Um, you know, it, it, because we have that that right order in that relationship with God, and and when we have that, then we have everything that we need in this life. I oh, know, and that's really just a line to pull out of that scripture mm-hmm. and just meditate on mm-hmm. all day, folks. My peace I give you. I mean. It's a gift. You know, Chris talks all the time about how God just keeps giving and giving and giving. And, uh, boy, that peace, I it, mean, that is profound. Exactly. But it, sometimes it's hard to accept that, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. because, yeah. you know, everybody wants to have those those gifts and those fruits of the Holy Spirit. But a lot of times that we, do, we don't want to make the choices that are necessary, you know, to have those, you know, for example, like forgiveness. You know, when we... If we, uh, you know, if we forgive, you know, we'll be freed from from that hurt that somebody has has done to us. But you know, we we want to be freed from that. We don't want to be, uh, but we refuse to give that up. We f- refuse to forgive that person, and so we remain angry and we remain, you know, and we get bitter and whatever like that. But Jesus wants to give us freedom from that, so He says, "Forgive them, mm-hmm. and they'll have no more power over you." And, and that's that's when we have that peace that only Jesus Christ can give. And so when we're, when we're able to, to let that go and then it doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what they do to me. You know, I'm able to, to live always in the presence of God. Oh, I needed to hear that today. Yeah. Well, and peace is such a term. It is, it's mm-hmm. one of the greatest gifts because, uh, it, it does it. They can't rob you of it no matter what you go through. I mean, you can just see that in their demeanor. And then when we look at the blessed Virgin Mary, one of her titles, of course, is queen of peace. Mm-hmm. There's a, a beautiful statue that was placed, I, I want to say it's at John Lateran, but it's the Ave um, Maria Pachem, I mean, Mary, Queen of, uh, Queen of Peace. And it was a place there, if I'm not mistaken, again, I think it was Pius 
the 10th or the 11th. It was right, it was right I think it might have been the 11th. It was right after um, or right bef- during World War One, And she is on her, a throne, but the infant Jesus is in her lap and his arm is up and she's holding him and looking at him. I mean, if you've, have you seen this particular statue? Mm-hmm. Oh, it is absolutely beautiful. But it was at a time when the world was facing this terrible scourge, which was World War One, the invention of new weapons and just the trench warfare and the, just the horrible thing that was happening. And, and there would be a worse war coming after that. And yet here she is, the queen of peace, and she's the mother of the, the one who brings us, provides that gift. And she presents that as any mother would, you know, to the world. Um, it, it, a tremendous title that we give her and honor that we, we bestow upon her, and deservedly so, isn't it, Father? Mm-hmm. And, and it's something that she wants to teach us, because if we, if we want to have peace in the world, then we must first have peace in our own. It, 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 all, it all begins right here with, with us. Because mm-hmm. I, I can't change what you know Osama bin Laden is doing, but but I, I can change. I, I can make a choice as to as to whether I'm going to be a peaceful person or not, whether I'm going to live in peace. And and if all of us make that that choice, then then we can, you know, we can change our part of the world. And, and that that's something that that grows and in it, in its influence then spreads. But Mary really. She teaches us how to be peaceful. She teaches us how to um, to live, and she teaches us how to live in union with Jesus Christ, who is the one that, that is again getting back to the gospel. Who's the one that He's the one that gives us that peace. Mm-hmm. And so, when we can meditate on her life and just how she lived, always in union with Jesus, and always you know was was there with Him, always there loving Him, that's really what gives us peace in this life. Is just that love for Jesus. And the only way you can really get there to understand all of it, it all has to come from the heart. It's one of those things that you first have to open up your heart. It, it, uh, the story, I always love Scott Hahn's, Dr. Scott Hahn's conversion story because he, he is a tre- tremendously brilliant man. I've been, I had the privilege of being able to share some time with him. And even when sitting around a dinner table, his mind is just firing off like pistons, you know, I mean, just thinking, thinking, thinking. And yet all the thought didn't uh, prompt his conversion as much as the experience of the heart. And it was in a very real way because of Mary's, uh, his prayer with Mary that really brought him uh, and then the heart, the head follows, but mm-hmm. the head follows the heart. The heart doesn't, the head doesn't lead the heart, does it? Mm-hmm. They, there's a, there's kind of a relationship between the both, uh, both of them, you know, because we do have to have a certain amount of knowledge for our heart to be able to work. But then, then the choices that we make and, and that we, you know, how, how we, how it affects us then, it, then it leads us, it, it's, it's almost kind of like a spiral, you know, it's meant to kind of spiral upward, you know, one, one is kind of feeding the other one, mm-hmm. but, but unless, yeah, unless your heart is really into it, unless you really have that, that desire for that, you can have all of the, you can know all about, uh, you know, Jesus or all about what the church teaches, but, but if you don't actually know Jesus or if you don't actually know Mary you know it, it's kind of like our human relationships we can know all about somebody you know I could be in somebody's fan club or whatever you know I could be in the Chris McGregor fan club you know and I can know all about you but unless I actually know you then you really can't enter into a relationship with somebody and that that's where it really starts it, it does have to be a part of that relationship 
and and once we realize that that it is and that relationship is necessary then that's you know everything begins to unfold there and then what we learn about it it, it just deepens that relationship and and it helps us to go deeper into the mystery of god's love what did someone say once the longest most treacherous 12 inches in any human being is from the mind to the heart exactly exactly <laughs> because there's a certain amount you know when, when we enter into a relationship with anybody there's you know, there's a certain sense we have to we have to open ourselves up mm-hmm. and, and it it's you know and it can be difficult especially when we begin to open up our relation uh, relationship with god and in particular with god's son with jesus christ you know that can be a hard thing mm-hmm. and but but once we you know do that a little bit or once we begin to have that experience then then of god's love then it, it gives us that desire to go to go even deeper into that mystery mm-hmm. and you know as we reflect on mary and um there, she has so many titles uh, because a name really is something that um, describes the character of the person. It doesn't surprise us. And of course, our, our Lord and Savior Jesus, absolutely. I mean, the litany from the litany of the Sacred Heart to the litany of the Holy Name to the litany of just, I mean, all his different titles, it, it's almost too much to absorb. But the same with Mary. Mary has so many different facets she's like the, the most beautifully cut diamond ever and you, but ultimately it takes you to the heart of that diamond is always her son mm-hmm. exactly and that as we talked about before that's re- that's really the whole point of of mary and god's plan of salvation it's to lead us to jesus and that's you know we've been talking about saint louis marie de montfort's total consecration to jesus through mary that was his whole point it, it's not just mary for the sake of mary but it's for mary drawing closer to Mary, because when we do that, that's what helps draw us closer to Jesus. What do you find, Father, when people are coming into the Catholic Church, or they're in the process of deepening that conversion relationship with Jesus, that when they, the stumbling block they have when it comes to the Blessed Virgin Mary? Because I, I mean, I've encountered it with some people, but my own personal experience, I've never had a problem. I mean, I love the Blessed Virgin, always have. God willing, always will, you know. I think it's it's something that it, it only comes through prayer. You know, if and it's something that we have to, it's a gift that we have to ask for. You know, if we have these preconceived notions that, and we refuse to enter into that relationship, you know, it's not something that's going to be forced upon us. But if we, if we in humility say, you know, okay, Jesus, help me to love your mother as you do. <laughs> You know, and help me to understand her role in salvation. Help me to understand. Then, then it. I, I really think it'll happen. That there's this uh, one lady that I knew, and this was when I was in the seminary, and she was really struggling with Marian devotion. And it was is uh, that passage from, uh, it, I think it's from First Timothy or something. There is one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus Christ. Right. And so she was having a hard time understanding is how does Mary fit in that? Because she kind of saw her as like, you know, standing between us and Jesus. And, and so as she's, um, and so I was trying to get her, you know, some different things to read and different things like that. And nothing really seemed to be helping. And so one time I read this document from, is this from the second Vatican Council, the second part. And it was just, you know, it was, it was just, I thought, okay, this is awesome. You know, this is, this is great. You know, and here I am, you know, seminary and, you know, coming in, <laughs> you uh-huh. know, here I'm yeah. going to fix all your problems. Uh, but, I went and I, I went to talk to her, and she said, "Oh, don't worry about it. I got it all figured out." I was like, "What?" And she said, "Yeah, I was I was praying one day, 
and I saw this image of Mary, and it's uh, you may have seen it. It's kind of a it's kind of it's dark blue, and it's um, a little bit kind of a modern image, but but it has Mary kneeling there, and there's kind of a glow coming from her womb, mm-hmm. and um, and she said, you know, in that moment I was, uh, it, it just it just all made sense to me. It was it, it's Mary is not standing between me and Jesus. Mary's the one that's giving me Jesus you know, because of, because of her, yes. And she's the one that brings Jesus to us. And so she was given, you know, through prayer, she was given that, that grace of being able to understand. And ever since then, you know, that, that devotion to our Mary hasn't been a problem for her because she was given that grace of understanding. And so if there's something about Catholic teaching that, that we have a problem with or that we don't understand, usually what I always recommend to people is take it to prayer first, yeah. you know, because I can give you the best explanations in the whole world and I still won't convince you. You know, I can show you at least that it's not the best that I can do through, through an explanation to, is to show you that, that what we believe is reasonable because there's nothing that we believe, you know, there's a real harmony in Catholic thought between faith and reason. It's not unreasonable to, um, you know, to believe in what we do about Mary, but really when it comes to that belief and being able to give assent to it, it's, this is something, um, that we, um, we have to take to prayer. Uh, just another quick story on that. Um, a good buddy of mine from college, uh, he was, um, uh, a couple years ago, he um, decided that, um, that God was calling him to become Catholic. He, he wasn't raised, uh, <clears throat> he really wasn't raised in, um, with a whole lot of religion. And so he kind of, and we, through the years, we had had a n- number of like long conversations and stuff, and it, and it was really good. So it was really kind of neat. And so um, he calls me up one day and he was having, <clears throat> kind of a hard time understanding uh, this relationship uh, or the perpetual virginity of Mary because he could see the virginity of Mary before the birth of Christ and even during the birth of Christ. But then afterwards, you know, he was, he's a married man. He just saw the the goodness of marriage. And so he's like, you know, why wouldn't God want, you know, Mary and Joseph to have other children? You know, this is, you know, you know, and, and he was just, he was really wrestling. I mean, it was, it was an honest question and he was really trying to understand this. And so I, gave him a few things and I tried to, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas has a few different, uh, you know, reasons and rationales and different things like that. But finally what it, what it came down to, he says, is that he said a few months ago, I came to the decision that I am going to be Catholic and that I'm going to believe what the Catholic, I believe that the Catholic church is the one true church that has been established by Jesus Christ and that what she teaches is true. And so even if I'm not able to completely understand everything at this point, I can look historically and I can see that this is something that the church has always taught. And so even though I may not be able to fully understand this right now, I know that it must be true because mm-hmm. the church teaches it. And, you know, mm-hmm. and I was so impressed, I mean, because it was really uh, an act of, I mean, just real humility yeah. uh, on his part, you know, just to be able to accept that. And that, I mean, what a... I mean, that really, I think, showed just the strength of his faith as well, you know, that, that, you know, that, that, that he had been given. And so that's, you know, sometimes it comes down to that. Sometimes we may not understand every single piece or we may not be able to, but when we can come to it in prayer, when we can come to it in, in humility, then, then we are able to really give our assent and we are able to believe it. Yeah, I, and it may even be those who have read scripture or read the documents, read all these things over and over and over again. There will come a moment under God's grace, whenever mm-hmm. that will be, that all of a sudden you'll have an aha moment. Mm-hmm. I define that as, oh, I knew that, but I didn't know I knew that. But I knew it. 
<laughs> and it just kind of makes sense at that point. Right. It does. It's just, exactly. There's just like something that it just, sometimes it'll just, you may have heard something a hundred times and said, you know, I believe, I believe. But, but then at, at a certain point, it just kind of, it clicks and it makes sense. And then it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I see how that fits in with everything else now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's real. That really is pretty neat. Well, and it is, it, it might be, I'll just share with people because, you know, but that happened to me on one of the most basic, basic things that I have been absorbed in for the last 20 years, uh, that passage from Corinthians 13, St. Paul, and that ultimately all the gift, none of the other gifts matter. I mean, they're nice. They're great gifts. They build up the church. They're, you know, And he goes on in 14 to explain even more about it. But, but in the end, all that really matters is faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. You can have all those other things, but if you don't, because you need faith so much. I mean, it gives you life. It helps you to believe in things unseen. It keeps you, it keeps you sustained. You need hope, otherwise you have despair. But even those aren't as important as love, because if you're not operating on love, it just doesn't matter. It, nothing else matters. And if it's not an action, I mean, you look at Mother Teresa, all the other gifts, all the other, she was in desolation, but the one thing that maintained was love. And... I mean, Teresa of Avila writes about this, John of the Cross. I mean, of course, St. Paul's not an, a, a, not an original idea by any stretch. But it's like all of a sudden, it, from out of nowhere, in, in prayer, it was like, ah, oh, it finally, it clicks. I mean, I, you can say it in front of a bunch of people over and over again. You can live it out. But there's that moment in the heart where all of a sudden you're just taking just that, oh, a, a little place deeper where it, it and it and it happens that way. It just again, it, it takes this rudeness in your heart that, um, yeah, of course. And all the other things are nice, and they're great, but you don't have faith, it doesn't make any sense. And if you don't have hope, what's the point? And if you don't have love, then you don't have God. You know, so because those really get at the just really at the essence of, of who we are is as human beings and, and what we really need. You know, we need that that belief. We need something to believe in. We need that hope to have hope that there's something more than than this life, you know, because mm-hmm. if this life is it, man, it's it's it's, it's pretty depressing. Mm-hmm. It, we have to have something greater to hope in. But but then really all of us, what we have a need for is to love and to be loved. And and when we have those those parts in our life that that's really that that's all we need. And and if we have that then, then we have everything, and then everything else will just kind of, just kind of make sense for us. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And so, don't let anybody rob you of those things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it is. And unforgiveness will do that. Mm-hmm. Um, that I mean that just really you got to get you got to forgive to be able to unlock all those things. It's all about it. Ultimately, the, all those functions are all functions of your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's I think that's what's so beautiful. We just need to be reminded. Of that. I think that our Lord and and uh, St. Uh, Margaret Mary that's, that came through with the, the Sacred Heart. And of course, Our Lady with the Immaculate Heart. But then in the Divine Mercy, it always it's always emanating from that center of our soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it just, that experience of the, the heart, it is, it is so important. Absolutely. Father Mark says I'm here with us this morning. Father, is always a pleasure. Well, we didn't get to perpetual virginity of Mary, but then oh. that's next week. <laughs> okay. <That's right>. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll have to save that for another time. Yeah, these uh, take a lot of time to discuss, of course, and then the yeah. Holy Spirit has paths he wants to take us down in our discussion. Exactly. So we if, follow willingly. If anybody would like, uh, I, I have given it in my, um, I've given it a couple times in the parish, but I did record it one time 
uh, when I was a deacon, um, the series of talks, there's five conferences on the true devotion. And I kind of go through a lot of these same topics a little bit more in depth. And I, I do have them on my website at www.comehometojesus.com. So if Come you, if home you, to Jesus. Well, how'd you get that domain? Uh, <laughs> you must have got that early. I was actually, <laughs> I, I was doing a, a program for people that had been away from the church. And so that was kind of where I, I, I first got the domain. It was like, it was, I, I think I, I wanted, first of all, I, like comehome.com, but then that was taken already. And so then it's like, how about come home to Jesus? And they're like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. <laughs> and so that's what I've had ever since then. So, but they can go there and, and, and visit that. And they, I have a link, uh, you can click on the link on the on the front page and it'll take you to those, those talks. Beautiful. And I'm in charge of archiving. So everybody gets mad at me when we don't have it up there, but I do have a, from, uh, it will be up this today from today's talk. Um, the last several conversations that we've had are now on the website. If you go to kvss.com, just go to archived interviews, and I'm working on backing them up to you know through the the last month or two. But uh, you can stay current, and a link to Father's website is on there as well. So, mm-hmm. super. Yay. There you go. Father, as we close this morning, could we ask you to impart a blessing yes. upon us and our listeners through the intercession of Mary, our Mother, um, who is ever Virgin? May Almighty God bless. Bless you all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Mary, Queen of Peace. Pray, Pray for, for us. us. Love it. Thank you very much. Don't you just love her?